Today, the fourth Sunday of the Easter season is traditionally observed as Good Shepherd Sunday. As you probably heard from the psalm and from the Gospel of John, we see lots of images of God and Jesus as Good Shepherd. But, you know, there are only so many ways I can write a sermon about Good Shepherds. So I prayed about it and hoped that God, who is of course a Good Shepherd, would be okay if I veer off from the Good Shepherd theme, like completely. Because instead I want to talk about names. Names are powerful things, particularly in terms of religion and ways of thinking theologically. A name is powerful. In some sense, people kind of live into their names. Think back to God's interaction with Moses when Moses was told to go to Pharaoh. Remember the whole let my people go thing? Moses, before taking on this difficult and dangerous task, asks for God's name. God's response was simply to tell Moses, I am. In the Jewish shin, the very name of God revealed to Moses is never spoken or even written down. God's name is so sacred that it won't show up in human speech or handwriting. Even the letters in God's name in Hebrew convey power and demand respect. God is simply called sometimes in Judaism Hashem, which literally means the name. And the power in a name is a tradition that continues in the time of transition from Judaism to Christianity. Names are powerful in themselves, but they can also convey or confer power to the one speaking the name. Again, in Acts, we're sort of walking in in the middle of a story. Right before today's reading, Peter has healed a man from, of paralysis. And this causes all kinds of trouble. And as we learned last week, Paul, uh, Peter, excuse, excuse me, um, heals the man from paralysis in the name of Christ. And we hear in Acts that members of the high priestly family ask Peter about a name. Now, of course, that high priestly family would have been familiar with the history of powerful names that is so prevalent in Jewish tradition, the high priestly family would have known that Jewish prophets spoke in God's name and healed in God's name and won victories in God's name. So it's no wonder that they asked Peter, by what name was a paralyzed man healed? By what power or by what name did you heal, heal this man? Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit, explains to the high priestly family that it is only by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that the paralyzed man can walk again. There is power in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, healing is possible both for that paralyzed man in Peter's time and for whatever ails us today. Now this is not to say that simply calling on the name of Jesus is some sort of, you know, magic spell. Saying Jesus' name does not always get us what we ask for, at least not in the earthly sense. Instead, Peter tells his audience 
Believing in the power of Jesus' name is necessary for the sake of salvation. Even if our earthly illnesses are not cured by calling on Jesus' name, there are other, longer, eternal benefits. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among mortals by which we must be saved, according to Peter. The name of Jesus and our very salvation are intimately connected. Peter's making a point surprisingly clearly for poor Peter that there is the very power of salvation available by calling on the name of Jesus. But believing in the power of the name of Jesus impacts more than that vertical relationship with God, that up and down between the earth and heaven relationship. Because in the first letter of John, we hear again about believing in the name of God's Son, Jesus Christ. In this reading, the author is less concerned about those vertical, those earth to heaven, those supernatural, those extraordinary events like healing. Let us love, the author writes, let us love not in word or speech, but in truth and action. What could be more ordinary and less supernatural than the act of loving others in truth and action? Loving others, at least in 1 John, involves more than simply saying, I love you, or looking longingly with puppy dog eyes into the eyes of the one you love. Loving others must involve truth and action. Christian love needs to be shown by our actions and not just our words. After all, sharing a Christian message with our, with our mouths is hard enough, but sharing a Christian message with our actions can actually be even more difficult. Sure, it's easy to help others in a spirit of general love, but how can we make it clear that our loving actions are rooted in our love of Jesus Christ? How are we living our lives in a way to make Christ known? After all, in our baptismal covenant, we promise to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ in word and deed. When I think of the many ministries that we do in this congregation, I feel energized by the way we engage our local community. But I also wonder if we can make the connection between our faith and our actions even clearer. Yes, we make those connections between the church and the community, but how can we help people in our community know and understand that our desire to connect with others is rooted in our faith in Jesus. I wish it did, but 1 John doesn't provide any step-by-step -step instructions other than to remind those original readers, as well as those who read today, of God's commandment, that we should believe in the name of God's Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. There is a close, even intimate connection between belief in Jesus' name and our love of other. 
Sure, we can love others without belief in Jesus' name, and sure, we can believe in Jesus' name without loving others, but imagine the power in uniting our belief in Jesus' name and our love of others. If the reading from Acts talks about that vertical, between heaven and earth power of Jesus' name, then 1 John sort of talks about that horizontal, between neighbors, the horizontal power of Jesus' name. But where those two lines meet, that horizontal love of others and the vertical love of God, where those lines meet is in the name of Jesus. It makes sense then that as the hymn says, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess him king of glory now. There is power in the name of Jesus, power to connect us to God and power to connect us to each other. Let us open our hearts and our minds and our very lives to the power in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, the fourth Sunday of the Easter season is traditionally observed as Good Shepherd Sunday. As you probably heard from the psalm and from the Gospel of John, we see lots of images of God and Jesus as Good Shepherd. But, you know, there are only so many ways I can write a sermon about good shepherds. So I prayed about it and hoped that God, who is of course a good shepherd, would be okay if I veer off from the good shepherd theme, like completely. Because instead I want to talk about names. Names are powerful things particularly in terms of religion and ways of thinking theologically, a name is powerful. In some sense, people kind of live into their names. Think back to God's interaction with Moses when Moses was told to go to Pharaoh. Remember the whole let my people go thing? Moses, before taking on this difficult and dangerous task, asks for God's name. God's response was simply to tell Moses, I am. In the Jewish and the very name of God revealed to Moses is never spoken or even written down. God's name is so sacred that it won't show up in human speech or handwriting. Even the letters in God's name in Hebrew convey power and demand respect. God is simply called sometimes in Judaism Hashem, which literally means the name. And the power in a name is a tradition that continues in the time of transition from Judaism to Christianity. Names are powerful in themselves, but they can also convey or confer power to the one speaking the name. Again, in Acts, we're sort of walking in in the middle of a story. Right before today's reading, Peter has healed a man from, of paralysis. And this causes all kinds of trouble. And as we learned last week, Paul, uh, Peter excuse, excuse me, um, heals the man from paralysis in the name of Christ. 
And we hear in Acts that members of the high priestly family ask Peter about a name. Now, of course, that high priestly family would have been familiar with the history of powerful names that is so prevalent in Jewish tradition. The high priestly family would have known that Jewish prophets spoke in God's name and healed in God's name and won victories in God's name. So it's no wonder that they asked Peter, by what name was a paralyzed man healed? By what power or by what name did you heal, heal this man? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, explains to the high priestly family that it is only by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that the paralyzed man can walk again. There is power in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, healing is possible both for that paralyzed man in Peter's time and for whatever ails us today. Now this is not to say that simply calling on the name of Jesus is some sort of you know, magic spell. Saying Jesus' name does not always get us what we ask for, at least not in the earthly sense. Instead, Peter tells his audience Believing in the power of Jesus' name is necessary for the sake of salvation. Even if our earthly illnesses are not cured by calling on Jesus' name, there are other, longer, eternal benefits. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among mortals by which we must be saved, according to Peter. The name of Jesus and our very salvation are intimately connected. Peter's making a point surprisingly clearly for poor Peter that there is the very power of salvation available by calling on the name of Jesus. But believing in the power of the name of Jesus impacts more than that vertical relationship with God, that up and down between the earth and heaven relationship. Because in the first letter of John, we hear again about believing in the name of God's Son, Jesus Christ. In this reading, the author is less concerned about those vertical, those earth to heaven, those supernatural, those extraordinary events like healing. Let us love, the author writes, let us love not in word or speech, but in truth and action. What could be more ordinary and less supernatural than the act of loving others in truth and action? Loving others, at least in 1 John, involves more than simply saying, I love you, or looking longingly with puppy dog eyes into the eyes of the one you love. Loving others must involve truth and action. Christian love needs to be shown by our actions and not just our words. After all, sharing a Christian message with our, with our mouths is hard enough, but sharing a Christian message with our actions can actually be even more difficult. Sure, it's easy to help others in a spirit of general love, but how can we make it clear that our loving actions are rooted in our love of Jesus Christ? How are we living our lives in a way 
to make Christ known. After all, in our baptismal covenant, we promise to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ in word and deed. When I think of the many ministries that we do in this congregation, I feel energized by the way we engage our local community. But I also wonder if we can make the connection between our faith and our actions even clearer. Yes, we make those connections between the church and the community, but how can we help people in our community know and understand that our desire to connect with others is rooted in our faith in Jesus? I wish it did, but 1 John doesn't provide any step-by-step -step instructions other than to remind those original readers as well as those who read today of God's commandment that we should believe in the name of God's Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. There is a close, even intimate connection between belief in Jesus' name and our love of other. Sure, we can love others without belief in Jesus' name, and sure, we can believe in Jesus' name without loving others, but imagine the power in uniting our belief in Jesus' name and our love of others. If the reading from Acts talks about that vertical, between heaven and earth power of Jesus' name, then 1 John sort of talks about that horizontal, between neighbors, the horizontal power of Jesus' name. But where those two lines meet, that horizontal love of others and the vertical love of God, where those lines meet is in the name of Jesus. It makes sense then that as the hymn says, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess him, King of glory now. There is power in the name of Jesus power to connect us to God and power to connect us to each other. Let us open our hearts and our minds and our very lives to the power in Jesus' name. Amen.